the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's called The Parable of the Sower and the Soils. We find it in Luke chapter 8. It's the subject of our time together today, here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. From Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose, this is Abounding Grace. Greetings and welcome to our program today. We're picking up where we left off last time in our little mini-series on the parable of the sower and the soils. Again, if you'll join us, we're in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 18. So we take a look at the significance of this parable for you and I today. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The parables of Jesus comprise more than one third of his teachings. And while they contain some of the most profound lessons taught by him, at the same time they comprise some of the simplest, most easily understood lessons. Generally speaking, a parable is a comparison or analogy drawn from nature or human circumstances, the object of which is to set forth a spiritual lesson. And one author states, Jesus' parables are seemingly simple and memorable stories, often given with imagery, and each conveys a particular message. Scholars have commented that although these parables seem simple, the message they convey are deep and central to the teachings of Jesus. Commentators view them not as mere similitudes which serve the purpose of illustration, but as internal analogies where nature becomes a witness for the spiritual world. Now last week, I gave you four principles to help you interpret the parables of Jesus, and then we actually put those principles to work to help us interpret this parable of the sower and the soils. And I said, first of all, we must understand the picture that Jesus is drawing for us. Jesus would always tell a story that was common to his hearers in the first century. So if we are to understand this parable, we've got to use our imagination and create a picture of the background of his first century audiences. Secondly, we must grasp the context of the story. What was the purpose of Jesus telling this particular story at this particular time? And to know that, we must read the verses that precede our passage and those that follow it. Those verses most often set the stage and they give us the reason why Jesus would tell this particular story. Thirdly, we are to look for one main point. Jesus' parables always have one singular point, and you need to be careful not to read more into the story than Jesus intends. 
In other words, don't get too bogged down in the details so that you strain in the gnat and you lose the rest of the picture. Then fourthly, relate that main point to Jesus and his kingdom. Always in one way or another, Jesus' parables illustrate or explain an important point about Jesus and his kingdom that you and I need to hear. So what is the picture being drawn? First of all, the parable is more about the four different kinds of soil than about the soil or the farmer. The farmer goes out into his field to sow seed, which of course he did in those days by hand. And he finds that as he scatters the seed, it falls on different kinds of ground. There were pathways that ran through the unfenced fields, and in those places the ground was beaten down by all the people who walked on it and the oxen and such, so that it was too hard to receive seed, and the birds would come along and they'd eat it up. And there were rocky places where a limestone bedrock was just underneath the topsoil, or where actually rocks had worked their way through the soil, and the seed could not take root because of those rocks. It would start to grow in the, the shallow soil, and, but then it withered in the intense heat and died because it could not sink its roots into the ground. Other seed fell among the weeds, and the thorns, and they took in some moisture, and they grew, but the thorns and the weeds choked them out. But a good bit of the seed landed on good soil that the farmer had literally plowed up and prepared to receive the seed, and eventually those seeds produced crops of various yields. Jesus is here telling his story to a large multitude of people. And he is explaining to them that there will be different results in the lives of his hearers as they listen to his preached word. And that, of course, is true of whether one is listening to Jesus himself or others whom he sends to preach his word. And the results are based upon the condition of the heart of the hearer. The seed is the preached word of God, the sower is he who preaches the word, and the soil is the heart of the hearer. And the point of this parable is that the condition of one's heart determines how he will react to the preaching of God's word. Christ is here making a distinction between those who have been prepared to hear his word and those who are simply listening because they are attracted to his authoritative, bold preaching. But really, they have no desire to apply it to their lives. Oh, they're attracted to him and his preaching ability, but not his message. And that's why he says so boldly, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now last week, we were only able to get two of the soils mentioned in our text. That was the wayside here, or the unresponsive heart, and the rocky ground here, or the impulsive heart. And instead of me giving you an abbreviated view of what I taught you about these two types of hearers, I want you to read what the great reformer Martin Luther said in a sermon on this text. His remarks are very concise and to the point, 
And if you want more on this, you need to get last week's sermon from Ben on CD. But listen to what Martin Luther says. This is great stuff, guys. Listen carefully. The first class of disciples, the wayside hearers, are those who hear the word but neither understand nor esteem it. And these are not the mean people or the lower people in the world, but the greatest, wisest, and the most saintly. In short, they are the greatest part of mankind. For Christ does not speak here of those who persecute the word, nor of those who fail to give ear to it, but of those who hear it and are students of it, who also wish to be called true Christians and to live in Christian fellowship with Christians and are partakers of baptism and the Lord's Supper, but they are of a carnal heart and remain so, failing to appropriate or apply the Word of God to themselves. It goes in one ear and out the other. Just like the seed along the wayside did not fall into the earth, but remained lying on the ground in the wayside, because the road was tramped hard by the feet of man and beast, and it could not take root. Therefore Christ says, The devil cometh and taketh away the word from their heart, that they may not believe and be saved. What power of Satan this alone reveals, that hearts hardened through a worldly mind and life lose the word and let it go, so that they never understand or confess it. But instead of the word of God, Satan sends false teachers to tread it underfoot by the doctrines of men. For it stands here written, both that it was trodden, trodden underfoot, and the birds of heaven devoured it. The birds Christ himself interprets as the messengers of the devil who snatch away the word and devour it, which is done when he turns and blinds their hearts so they neither understand nor esteem it. As St. Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.4, they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside unto fables. By the treading underfoot of men, Christ means the teachings of men that rule in their hearts. As he says in Matthew 5.13, also of the salt that has lost its Savior, it is cast out and trodden underfoot of men. That is, as St. Paul says in 2, Timothy Thessalo 2 Thessalonians 2.11, they must believe a lie because they have not been obedient to the word. Those all, thus all heretics, fanatics, and sects belong to this number, who understand the gospel in a carnal way and explain it as they please to suit their own ideas, all of whom hear the gospel, and yet they bear no fruit. Yea, more, they are governed by Satan and are harder oppressed by human institutions than they were before they heard the word. For it is a dreadful utterance that Christ here gives that the devil taketh away the word from their hearts, by which he clearly proves that the devil rules mightily in their hearts, notwithstanding they are called Christians and hear the word. Likewise, it sounds terribly that they are to be trodden underfoot and must be subject unto men and to their ruinous teachings, by which under the appearance and name of the gospel, the devil takes the word from them, so that they may never believe and be saved, but must be lost forever, as the fanatical spirits of our day do in all lands. For where, is this word is, for where this word is not, there is no salvation, and great works or holy lives avail nothing. For it is with this that he says, they shall not be saved, since they have not the word. He shows forcibly enough 
that not their works but their faith in the word alone saves, as Paul says to the Romans. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, Romans 1.16. The second class of hearers, the rocky ground hearers, are those who receive the word with joy, but they do not persevere. These are also a large multitude who understand the word correctly and laid hold of it in its purity without any spirit of sect, division, or fanaticism. They rejoice also in that they knew the real truth and are able to know how they may be saved without works through faith. They also know that they are free from the bondage of the law, of their conscience, and of human teachings. But when it comes to the test that they must suffer harm, disgrace, and loss of life or property, property, then they fall and deny it. For they have no root enough and are not planted deep enough in the soil. Hence they are like the growth on a rock, which springs forth fresh and green, that it is a pleasure to behold it and awakens bright hopes. But when the sun shines hot, it withers because it has no soil and moisture and only rock is there. So these do, in times of persecution, deny or keep silent about the word and work, speak and suffer all that their persecutions mention, persecutors mention or wish, who formally went forth and spoke and confessed with a fresh and joyful spirit the same while there was still peace and no heat, so that there was hope they would bear much fruit and serve the people. For these fruits are not only the works, but more the confession, preaching, spreading of the word, so that many others may thereby be converted and the kingdom of God be developed. But the rocky ground hears, wither up and die when trials and tribulations come their way. Do either one of these seeds resemble you, beloved? Or have you simply deceived yourselves? We must examine our hearts. Look into its dark recesses and whatever you find there that is in opposition to God's word, lay it at the cross of Jesus and turn away from them. Repent and ask God to forgive you. Now we come to the thorny ground here or the preoccupied heart. And the Bible has a great deal to say about this man. Look, first of all, in Matthew 13, verses 7 and then 22. Verse 7, Some fall among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choke them. Verse 22, He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And now Mark chapter 4. Verses 7 and then 18 and 19. Mark chapter 4. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Now verses 18 and 19. And there are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And then in Luke 8, verse 7, and then verse 7, 14. Verse 7, And some fell among the thorns, and thorns sprang up with it, and choked it. Verse 14, 
and that which fell among the thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. The hearer heard the preached word with no repentance, no attempt to dig out his, through his life those, that, those things that would hinder the growth of the seed. There was no real turning from sin, no real surrender of himself to the kingdom of Christ. This hearer was a victim of what we call today easy believism that is preached in most churches throughout Silicon Valley. Easy believism says entering the kingdom of God is easy and comfortable with maybe just a little bit of a emotional pain at the beginning. Easy believism emphasizes that you enter the kingdom of God and you are saved by simply making a decision, by saying perhaps a canned prayer, by simply asking Jesus into your heart, by going forward during an altar call. Easy believism emphasizes that a person can become a Christian without repenting of his sins, without turning from his sins to the living God, without submitting himself to the law of God. Well, that's quite a different thing than the way that Jesus treated the woman at the well. Do you remember the story? Jesus was there sitting at the well. He meets a woman and he asks her for a drink of water. They begin a conversation. Jesus presents the gospel to her. And in Matthew 4, 14, you see the gospel message of Jesus says, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. He is saying to this woman, I can give you water so that you will never thirst again. And it will be a constant well of eternal life flowing in and through your life. It was as if he just held this cup of living water right up to her lips. And she said to him, give me that water. He presented the gospel, and she's thirsty. He said, if you drink of this water, pressing it to her lips, you will never thirst again. She responds, I want the water. Jesus says, okay, go tell your husband. She responds, Lord, I haven't a husband. I know you don't. You've had five, and the man that you are now living with is not your husband. Do you want the water? Then deal with the sin in your life, he is saying to her. Don't play anymore. Repent of your sins. Turn from whatever life you are living, and I'll pour this living water over your thirsty tongue and lips, and you will never thirst again. But if you come to me, your faith must include repentance of your sins. That's quite a different thing than what the thorny ground hearers are told in our churches today. Just make a decision. Ask Jesus into your heart, and you will never have to doubt your faith again. Not one word is said about Go tell your husband or repent of the sins in your life. Coming to Christ always involves leaving sin.
And the thorny ground here didn't do it. It always involves resting in Christ and taking upon yourself Christ's yoke. Do you remember that great invitation in Matthew 11 of the Lord Jesus? He says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you shall find rest for your soul for my yoke is easy and my load is light. What a wonderful message. And I'm sure this passage is being quoted all over this country today with misapplication and misunderstanding. What is Christ talking about here? You that are wearying yourself out, trying to earn God's favor by obeying God's law, but are finding yourselves unable to do so and are groaning under that heavy burden of the knowledge of the intolerable penalty and crushing load of God's condemnation upon your sin. You that are wearing yourself out under the curse of the law of God, come to me. Come to me and I'll give you real rest. Put your faith and your trust in me and exchange that crushing burden of trying to earn your own way into heaven, knowing you can't get into heaven that way and feeling the increasing curse of that burden. Come to me. Put your faith in me and replace that crushing burden of trying to impress God with my easy yoke and my light load. What is this yoke, this load? Jesus says, if you want rest, you've got to come to me and take my yoke upon you. And it's light compared to what you've been doing. This yoke is the law of Almighty God, interpreted and magnified by Christ himself and exemplified in his own life, which, and this is the key, by his spirit, he empowers people to obey after they come to him and rest upon him alone for salvation. He is saying, my yoke is good. It's good for you. It's not harsh. It's not severe. It's easy and light because I'll change your heart. I'll give you a love for my law and I'll strengthen you to obey it out of love for me. You see, beloved, over and against this easy, easy believism that says it's easy to become a Christian. You, you know, you don't have to experience any pain. You don't have to worry about leaving your sin or being convicted of your sin or repenting of your sins. Jesus says, I offer anyone rest that needs it. But to receive it, you've got to come to me in faith and you've got to put your head in my yoke and take off all the other yokes. And the thorny ground here refused to do it. You see, beloved, without repentance, we will perish. Notice what happened to the seeds here. Because there was no repentance, in other words, the weeds and thorns weren't dug out. And they eventually choke the little plants to death. And choke to death is a right interpretation of the Greek word here. Because it is the same word used in reference to the pigs that were filled with the demons that came out of the Gadarene demoniac that were choked in the sea. They were choked to death. 
just like the pigs were choked to death in the Sea of Gadarene, this little seed, the Word of God, is choked to death in the heart of the person that does not repent of his sins. There is no such thing as easy believism. And the point is not that these seeds that were planted in the thorny ground here experienced stunted growth. There was no growth at all. There was no life at all. There was only death. And beloved churches today are filled with thorny ground hearers who really do think they are Christians, but they are not. And most preaching is actually suited to assure and comfort them in their thorny condition. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408. 408- 8665607 that's 4088665607 our website where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us is reformedheritage.org and then of course you can write to us at PMB that stands for post mailbox number 402 1484 Pollard Road Los Gatos California the zip code is 95032 Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. (music) 